time. Sanctify ye a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God, and cry unto the Lord. Amen. You will find that uh, the book of Joel is, uh, it contains a, a prophecy of what God will do in the last days. Amen. Where it says in Joel, I believe, chapter 2 and verse 24. If my memory serves me correct. Uh, Joel 3. It's, a, it's in the book of Joel in the second chapter. Amen. That it talks about how the God is going to pour out of his spirit upon all flesh. Amen. Upon your sons and daughters. Amen. And uh, and. What I want to say is before God can begin to pour out of the spirit, there's going to be a, there's going to have to be a church that is uh, familiar with uh, prayer and fasting. And what I'm going to teach tonight, talk to you tonight, maybe turn out of preaching. But uh, on this simple topic, our weapon of fasting, our weapon of fasting. Amen. And so uh, with that, I want us to set our Bibles down. I want us to ask the Lord to talk to us tonight. Amen. Let's take a few more moments tonight and just ask the Lord, amen, that God would speak to you directly, speak to your heart, and give you a heart to receive his word tonight. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have in this place. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of knowing who you are, the great privilege of being in the house of God on this midweek service this Wednesday night. I'm thankful tonight, Lord, for the touch of your spirit. I'm thankful tonight, God, for what you have done and what you are doing. And God, the best is yet to come for our church and for our families tonight, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done, everything that you are tonight. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. Amen. How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. I am certainly glad to be here. And uh, I know that God uh, will speak to us tonight. Hallelujah. It's Joel chapter 2 and 28. It says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids. In those days will I pour out my spirit. Amen. Amen. And before we get to Joel 2 and 28. We've got to go to the book of Joel 1 and 14. Amen. To find out what brings about that great revival. But I want to start out talking about probably one of my favorite things. uh, One of my favorite meals of the day. And that meal is breakfast. How many loves breakfast? Amen. Amen. It's not a spiritual topic for a few moments, but we're going to get somewhere. I love breakfast. Let me just tell you. Amen. I, I love to get breakfast. If I'm on vacation and I'm in a hotel room, uh, everybody else wants to sleep in, but I do not want to miss out on that breakfast. It's in the hotel lobby. So I will make sure to get up, and if I barely make it there five minutes till, amen, I'll Fill up my plate as much as I can. I don't want to miss out on breakfast. I love breakfast. I love eggs and potatoes. Amen. I love the sausage, the bacon, that thick 
bacon you get, that, that toast. And sometimes if you, uh, you know, I'm talking to get some French toast with some of that powdered sugar and the syrup on top. And they put some freshly cut strawberries and banana slices on there. And uh, I love pancakes. I love the Swedish and the Danish pancakes you can get at some, at some restaurants, not all of them. But some of them make them that nice, thin, loaded with sugar pancakes. And I like having right there on the side uh, that orange juice. Amen. That I like that heavy pulp. Amen. I like to taste that that orange and not just get that injection of sugar. Uh, but I like that orange juice with that heavy pulp. I like biscuits and gravy. How many likes biscuits and gravy? Amen. I love biscuits and gravy. If you ever have the privilege, Brother Josh will make you chocolate gravy on the biscuits one of these days. And you'll be asking them to make it for you every, as often as you can think about. Uh, you know, you can even go as simple as just having cereal and, and some good cereal. I grew up having cereal every morning for breakfast. And we piled a bowl full until the cereal ran over on the outside all over the table. And you had to kind of pull your little uh, your leftovers together and throw it back in the bowl for a second serving. Uh, and I, I love breakfast. Medical studies have even shown that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. How many knows that? Amen. I take that with me when I go down to that hotel lobby. That breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and I make sure to, that I don't miss out on it. And uh, those, those studies have shown that if you, get a good, if you start your day with a good meal, it kind of sets the precedence for the rest of the day. It kind of sets you on a trajectory to having a well-balanced diet that day. And... Um, and I, for one, certainly agree with that medical study because I love breakfast. However, did you know that the word breakfast is actually a compound word that brings together the words break and fast? How many knew that? Amen. Breakfast it is two words, break and fast. And it, we call it breakfast or it is to break the fast. And that word breakfast has been put together, amen, if I could make up a word or use the word etymologist, if there even such a thing, those that specialize in word conjunctions and so forth, amen, breakfast. Uh, and it is rightfully called breakfast because it, is, uh, it represents the interval or the period of time between the evening dinner meal that you had the night before and the morning breakfast meal. And it is the longest period between any two meals. The dinner that you have in the evening and the morning breakfast that you have in the morning. And it is uh, this is why the morning meal is called the breakfast or breakfast. This is why it's called breakfast. You're breaking that fast. Uh, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about fasting. And I know this is probably not going to be one of those messages where you say, I, I really enjoyed that message about fasting, Pastor. Just you really had me going there. Uh, it's not something that is even enjoyable to do, really, um, uh, until you really begin to get deep into it and allow God to help to uh, to move you to a, a better place in Him. Yeah. Uh, we're not just going to talk, however, about the health side of fasting and what that means from a health uh, perspective, yeah. uh, but we're going to talk about fasting uh, and prayer and when you mix the two together it is a very powerful uh, it is a very powerful mixture of two uh, components in the church that has the potential to bring about something that is 
uh, revolutionary in a church, something that is a game changer in a church, something that will uh, set the course of, uh, of a church's future and will forever determine it, where it's going and the things that can happen in a church. My mind is going to some years ago in the country of Ethiopia, the, the Pentecostal church there. Uh, they were giving themselves over, amen, to a constant uh, regimen, if you will, of prayer and fasting. And it was to the point that there was people just getting skinny and people just all over the place. They, they had no meat on their bones to some to one extent or another. And what it began to produce, however, was that particular church in Ethiopia witnessing and experiencing an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that we have never seen before. And we've never really seen since. And there was a lot that went into that revival and that uh, that crusade. But prayer and fasting was at the core, was at the basis of that mighty revival. And I do believe that if this church, Abundant Life Center, gets a hold, not just of uh, the, the, the man behind the pulpit, myself, or, or those that, that stand behind this pulpit, but those that are in the pew, those that are out there, and you, yourself, your family, and those that are even not here that are missing tonight, if you can get a hold of prayer and fasting yeah. and make it a regular practice in your life, amen, there is no telling, there truly is no telling what right. can happen, amen, right, right here in Lathrop. It could be that Lathrop becomes, amen, the epicenter of revival because yeah. there's a church, amen, that digs in and that believes in prayer and fasting and they're willing to push aside the plate and willing to push aside the pleasures and willing to cleave to that which is good and say, God, I just want more of you and I want less of this world. Yes. Hallelujah. This is such a crucial subject for the apostolic church in 2019. And it is time. I do believe it is time. Amen. For a great and mighty travailing prayer and fasting to go up before the throne of God, that we might as a church regain miraculous power and faith in God. It is time, it is, amen, it is in due season that this church get back to prayer and fasting and seeking God and pushing aside the desires and the wants, amen, demands of our flesh. And we, amen, yield ourselves to what what does God want for our lives? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. This is a subject that's been on my mind for a few weeks and been thinking about as I'm preparing, amen, for preaching, teaching on the, on the, uh, on the midweek services and even on the weekends. And, and this thought has come to me. And uh, just a few days ago, a preacher friend of mine sent me a post uh, or a book he was reading and it was about fasting. I said, wow, that's confirmation. That's uh, I do believe that is what God wants for our church. And even even before tonight, amen, I was here pacing the floor praying. And I have my iPad here. It's, uh, I, I can preach a number of messages and teach a number of messages and pull something out. But I don't ever want to, Brother Josh, just do what I want to do. I, I want to pray and seek God for what does... Uh, what is the will of God for this specific service tonight? What is the will of God that for this service that can help somebody in this particular service tonight? Because God knows, God knows who exactly is going to be here tonight. And God knew exactly who would not be here tonight. 
And I believe that God speaks to the man of God and says, I want you to speak thus and such. Amen. Because the people that are going to be there need to hear it. And they're going to be benefited by it. Amen. And I do believe that it is time for this church to step into prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Amen. Not just one and not just the other, but both of them together mixing prayer and fasting and seeking God for a revival and helping and asking God to help us to break through the walls and the barriers that are against this church tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To be victorious in the fight between the flesh Hold your hand up. That's flesh. Between the flesh and the spirit. We are often required to resort to additional reinforcements in our spiritual warfare. Amen. It is, if you will, like the army that goes out into the valley against the opposing forces. And they, uh, they send in the, maybe it's uh, the, the archers with the, bow, the bows and arrows and they shoot off the arrows and then that first wave of attack is successful in some regard, but then they begin to send in reinforcements. And as people begin to go down and so forth, they send in more reinforcements. And they're, they're trying to overwhelm the enemy. They're trying to, over, to take a new land and new territory and expand their, uh, their kingdom and expand their territory. And uh, go to new horizons and new places Amen. that that kingdom has never been to. And in the church... Of the living God. We, we do a number of things that we are uh, seeking to encroach on the enemy. And to go forward in God. And to, and to have greater revival. And one of the additional reinforcements that the Lord has given to the church. Is that element of prayer and fasting. Amen. There's going to be times in your game when you pray. And nothing seems to happen. But when you begin to mix your prayer and fasting. And you say God I'm pushing aside my plate. I'm pushing aside the food. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to fast, and I'm going to seek God, and I'm going to lay aside the weights and the sins. I do believe that God steps in and says, I'm going to respond to a church that's fasting and praying and seeking my face. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Apostle Paul declared in Romans chapter 7 and verse 22, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. And these are two very powerful centers of dominion that must be overthrown. Amen. These are great strongholds that prevent the church. They prevent you and I from receiving the supernatural things of God as we should. Amen. There's the law of the flesh. Amen. That's at work. And the law of my mind that's constantly at work. And they're, they're preventing me from getting to where I need to be in God. But when I begin to employ that, uh, that, uh, that principle of and that practice of fasting and praying, it helps me to break through the wall and to break through the sickness and to break through the barrier and to break through the walls of opposition and to just break through, break through, to break through. And we need this church to break through to new dimensions in the Holy Ghost. And I for one want to be somebody that learns how to pray and to fast and to break through the walls and the barriers that I'm up against in my life. I refuse to sit back 
God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I love you tonight, Jesus. God, we want your will for this service tonight, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Have your way in this house. Have your way in this house tonight. Have your way in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Myself, as the man of my home, as the sole provider in my home, I will do what I have to do to provide for my family. I will do whatever I have to do, Brother Nathan, to make sure that my family eats and keeps a roof over their head. I will do whatever it takes to make sure that my family makes it. And we have got to be of that same mentality. I will do whatever it takes to see my church have revival. Because revival is not something that is it's extra or it's optional if you think about it. But it is something that we've got to have, Brother Noah. We've got to have revival. And, and I've got to be one that says, I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to have revival. It requires me as a man, amen, to, to fast and pray, amen, to give a little bit extra that I'm going to do what I've got to do. If, if, if providing for my wife and my, my child requires me to work a second and a third job, I'll work a second and a third job, Sister Nancy, and I won't think twice about it because I've got to make sure that I'm taking care of those things that God's entrusted to me. And God has entrusted to this church, amen, the destiny and the fate, amen, of a city and of a valley that needs God. And it's requiring this church to step forward and say, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to fast that I might see God move in my city. I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast that I might see my kids that are lost without God come back. I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast that I might see my spouse that, 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 that's walked away on me. I'm going to pray and fast until I see them come back to God. I'm going to pray and fast until I see every broken heart mended. Amen. Under the power of the Holy Ghost. I will do what I've got to do to see God do what He must do in my life. Hallelujah. And by breaking down these strongholds of our mind and of our flesh, we are enabled to make Great strides of spiritual advancement and progress. I hate, one of the things I hate is I hate being stuck in one place for an extended period of time. If I feel like I'm just stuck and I'm not going anywhere, it drives me crazy. Maybe you can say I'm a little bit impatient, but I, I, I want progress. Yeah. I crave progress. Yeah. I've got to, even if I've got to uh, just scour the premises, if you will, and find that little ray of sunshine and say, there's some progress. I know a lot of other stuff may be going on, but there's some progress. I want progress. I, and I believe that God wants progress from this church. I believe that God wants spiritual reproduction to take place in his church. Amen. And I believe that fasting and praying, amen, will enable this church to make great strides, amen, of spiritual advancement and progress and revival. As this church, amen, buckles down and says, I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast. I'm going to push aside the plate. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to say no to my flesh and yes to my spiritual man. Yes to the God of heaven. I do believe that God will work for us if we will pray and we will fast and we'll seek God. I believe that as we pray, 
fast, Sister Gina, we will see miracles, signs, and wonders happen right here. I believe as we pray and as we fast, we'll see people get the Holy Ghost and the waters of baptism will be stirred on a regular basis because somebody is praying. Somebody is fasting. Carnality and unbelief must be conquered for you and I to have real victory. Your carnality, my carnality, your unbelief, my unbelief, it must be conquered for us to have victory. It must be conquered. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3 reads, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down the strongholds. One of the greatest allies of faith, faith that is essential in pleasing God, one of its greatest allies is that of fasting. Faith becomes far more efficient, far more active, and far more developed, amen, when this great ally of fasting comes to its assistance. You say, I got trust and I believe that God will help me. I got faith and I have to stop believing that God is going to work in my life. And there seems to be resistance. I don't know if you've ever faced resistance in your life, but I have. I've faced resistance over and over again. And, and, and I've made it a personal, uh, regular practice of mine. A personal, regular practice of mine to fast weekly. And to just regularly get into it and fast and push aside the plate. You can say, well, I, fa- I, gave, I did a 40-day fast. I did a 21-day fast. It was 20, 40, 50 years ago. Amen. That was well and good. And I believe that God honored that. But uh, that's, that's a long time ago. Uh, and it's not, I don't know if many people that go on a regular 40-day fast every year. But one, one thing you can determine in your mind to do. One thing that you can determine in your mind to do. Is to fast one day a week. And if you fasted one day a week. How many days would you fast in a year? 52. That's a lot more than 40 day prayer and fasting every year. And you just did it one week at a time. You made it a regular practice. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to fast. And I'm going to do it regularly. And God's going to help me. And God's going to give me the strength that I need. Faith becomes far more efficient. Faith becomes more active in your life. Faith becomes more developed when you begin to combine it with fasting and praying. Faith and fasting are are at odds with our carnal nature. Our carnal nature. Our carnal nature is made up of our five senses. Who can name five senses? Who wants to help me? What are the five senses? What? Taste and touch. You got it. Took a, it took a village. We did it. Yeah, I got to do it earlier. I was trying to do it from memory, and I was like, what's the fifth one? Amen. But sight, touch, hearing, smelling, tasting, sight, seeing. I think I said sight. Sight, touch, hearing, smell, tasting. These are, the five, these are the senses by which we live. These are the senses by which we really interpret the world. And we take in what's happening around us. And, and uh, <clears throat> we interpret the world with those senses. 
But God's word tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. It's not something that you can use your five senses to to grab a hold of, to get a hold of. Uh, Faith is not something that you, you can physically see it with your eyes. You may see the results of someone's faith. Amen. You can touch. Amen. But you can't touch faith necessarily. You can hear people and you can hear them speak in faith, but you can't hear faith directly. You can't smell it. You can't taste it necessarily. Amen. But it's something that requires uh, something uh, beyond your five senses, beyond what you have in your carnal nature that you have available. This faith exists outside of the five senses and must be cultivated. Fasting is faith's most important ally. It overcomes the enemy of our soul, the worst enemy of which is unbelief. Amen. And as I was preparing this, I was remembering back that the Lord said regarding the children of Israel that they could not enter in to Canaan land. They could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. Unbelief. It was that thing that kept them out of the promises of God. It was that thing that kept them out of experiencing the fullness that God wanted to bestow upon His people. It was unbelief. Amen. And faith and fasting go hand in hand. And it helps to overcome that enemy of unbelief. Amen. Fasting enables faith to penetrate our enemy's strongholds. Fasting is that element that helps faith. Amen. To get through the barrier. To get through the wall to get through the resistance and you begin to fast and you begin to pray and your faith is mixed with prayer and the word of God and that fasting helps it to push through the walls and push through the barriers you see I've got a child that needs God You've got, I've got a sickness that I need healing of I believe God and I've prayed about it but I haven't seen nothing yet I'm going to challenge somebody in this place tonight to employ the practice of fasting and praying and seeking God and pushing through and say God I will go on a one day a two day a three day fast whatever you want me to do that I might see this thing broken that I might see an answer to my prayer why is fasting such a powerful weapon against carnality and unbelief it is because it is antithetical to our natural senses which are the seed of carnality and unbelief. Our five senses are kept in operation through the stronghold of our appetite. And these senses, uh, they war tremendously against the fast. If you've ever been on a fast, you know that your body will tell you immediately, you're, you're missing a meal. <laughs> Hello. Your head starts to hurt. Mouth gets a little dry. And all you can think about is food. Literally, all you can think about is food. Your body's sending messages and saying, hey, food, 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 food. You need it. Eat it right now. Go. And you have to have that, that they say intestinal fortitude, that you have to have that gumption, if you will, that says, I'm going to tell my flesh no. That is a hard thing to do. And you come face to face with it in fasting. We preach a lot about over, living the overcoming life and doing and living for God. And, and sometimes it might be hard to kind of quantify uh, what that looks like. Uh, but when we're talking about fasting, hey, your flesh is going to tell you, I don't want to do this. You're going to face uh, not just 
the, the devil will, will come against you when you're trying to live for God. But when you're coming, when you're wanting to fast and pray, your flesh comes against you. Your flesh says, whoa, wait a minute, buddy. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We got to eat. And uh, when fasting and prayer, praying have, uh, when fasting and praying have complete right of way without hindrances, the flesh becomes arrested. I will share with you a story. It's kind of incriminating, but kind of not incriminating because I was cleared of charges. But I was hanging out one time with the wrong person in Fresno. His dad was a preacher, and my dad was a preacher, and we were hanging out in Fresno, the mall. And we were just passing time while we were at a church conference and just trying to enjoy the time. And walking around the mall, there's not much else to do in Fresno when you have spare time, but walk around the mall or maybe go find a taco truck. And we were there in the mall, and we were hang, I was hanging out with him, and I didn't, I hadn't hung around him in a long time. I didn't know his, uh, what he was capable of or potential, he had the potential to do. And I was standing right next to him, this Nancy, and we were, we were looking at a watch on the jewelry display. And I was like, wow, that's a cool watch. And he popped the watch off the display. And I was like, whoa, I, I, I backed up like that. I was like, what are, you, what are you doing? And the camera angle caught me doing this thing. And the watch was gone. So they said, we got you on camera. You popped the watch. And uh, I, di- I didn't know what happened later on. I f- found out that my friend, I won't say his name, but he stuck the watch in his uh, uh, in his pocket. And then we went to use the bathroom later. And he uh, sold it in the bathroom. Literally, he was like that good. He sold it in the bathroom, made some money right then and there. And then I didn't know until we were walking out of the, of the, of the store, the department store. I think it was Sears. Uh, and as soon as we walked out of that department store, uh, two big old guys, muscle-bound guys, came and pushed us against the wall, hands behind the back, and and I think I don't know if I was zip tied or whatnot. They just had me to grab my hands. That was my only time I was kind of arrested, uh, and I, I proved later that I was I didn't do anything. I was just hanging out with the wrong person. Uh, but when I was put my hands behind my back and up against that wall. I wasn't foolish enough to try and fight that guy. I can tell visibly he's a lot stronger than me. My flesh was arrested. I couldn't do nothing. I may have thought some things in my mind, but I couldn't do nothing. I didn't have any more power at that point except what that strong gentleman would allow me to have. But when we're fasting and when we're seeking God, our flesh is literally arrested. And God can move in our lives and God can speak through us and in us and to us. And God can work in our lives in a very powerful way because we say the flesh is going to be arrested and God is going to reign. God's going to tell me what to do, not my flesh. I'm going to obey what God wants me to do. I'm not going to obey whatever my flesh says. And if my flesh wants me to do this uh, and God says that, usually if we're not living an overcoming life and uh, we're succumbing our, our our wills that are being succumbed to that of the flesh and, the, and sin. We're going to do exactly what the devil whispers in our minds to do. And we have no authority. We have no say over what we're doing. The flesh tells us what to do and we do it. But when we're fasting, we're saying, God, you got full control. God, I'm giving all the control back to you. Amen. Carnality is compelled to yield and to bow to the Spirit of God. And when this is done, unbelief is destroyed. 
And the Spirit of God has more right of way than is possible through any other method known to mankind. When you're fasting and you're praying, the Spirit of God has more of a right of way in your life to move freely through your life. Amen. And God can move freely in your life and God can receive glory and God can bless you and God can work in your life. But what is fasting? If we take a few moments here tonight, what is fasting? Many do not fully understand what the word fast means. Webster defines fasting, and this is a textbook definition of fasting. It is the abstinence from food, especially as a religious observance. I would tell you that fasting is more than just uh, abstaining from food. But uh, fasting, amen, uh, requires an individual to seek after God, to not just push, pull away from the plate, but to draw nigh to God. Amen. To not to not just stop eating and not just stop doing all the things your body was doing before, but to, to mix that with some prayer and some consecration and, and pulling out the Bible and reading and saying, God, what do you want to speak to my life? When you're fasting and praying, your mind is more aware of what's going on around you. Your mind is more attuned to the voice of God. I make it a point, and this is just what I do. I make it a point to fast before every service. Sunday morning, I don't eat. Just get up, get ready, come to church, pray, study, seek the mind of God. Wednesday, no dinner. Just come to church, pray, and study, and seek the mind of God. Because I want, I want to be able to hear the voice of God. If you are seeking to hear the voice of God in your life, push, push away from the plate. And say, God, if, if this person's the right one for me, then uh, I want you to speak to me. I'm going to fast so I can yes. I can hear you, God. If you want me to go in this direction, God, yeah. then I'm going to listen for your voice. But I'm going to push aside the plate. I'm going to push aside pleasures. I'm going to push aside everything else that I might hear the voice of God. I don't want any distractions. I don't want anything to hinder me from hearing you, God. I want to hear the voice of God. I want to hear the voice of God. I don't know about you. I want to be able to know and to be be able to discern the voice of God in my life. Fasting means to do without the food and to do with the Spirit of God. One of God's most successful means... And this is something interesting that I found and studied for tonight. One of God's most successful means of chastisement or punishment for his wayward children has been forced fasting. I'll say that again. One of God's most successful means of chastisement for his wayward children has been forced fasting. In many instances, it has been a blessing in disguise. And there are three major types of forced fasting. There's food shortages and famines. When there's just an all-out shortage of food. And you've got to fast. And it's forced upon you. That's happening right now in, I think, Venezuela and other third world countries. They're under... Of they're in a famine because of mismanagement in government and government and whatnot. The the second major type of forced fasting is illnesses. 
during which it is impossible to eat. And the third of which is appetite failure, which causes food to become nauseating. Many times throughout history, the satisfaction of a full stomach, a full pocketbook, and other full things in life have resulted in the doom of many nations. As a nation has become more full of itself and just full of things that have just taken over and taken uh, the place of God in its lives. Amen. It has produced uh, wretchedness and it has produced sin. There's uh, a book that I read some time ago uh, about the stages of a nation. And one of the final stages of a nation is this stage of where it becomes full of stuff. It just becomes fat on everything and all of the surplus and they have need of nothing. The Lord himself told a parable about a man that began to build barns and began yeah. to build many barns. That I've got stuff laid up for, for many years. I'm just going to tell my soul to uh, eat, drink, and be merry. Just, just live it up. I've got stuff. I'm, I'm so full of stuff in this world. I don't even need God no more. I've reached a point of blessing where I don't need God. Even though God may have helped me to get here. Now that I'm here, I don't need Him. And God rebuked that. Because God wanted to, there to always be room in your life, in my life, for Him. And God wants there to be a place in your life where you say, God, I'm going to empty out of self. I'm going to empty myself out of the things of this world. And you and I can do that when we fast. When we say, God, I'm going to empty myself out, God, of all the pleasures of life and the pleasures of eating, the pleasures in this in this world. And I'm going to, instead of uh, putting in more food and putting in more junk in my body, I'm going to put in your spirit. And where that food was in my stomach, now the Spirit of God's going to be in my soul. And I'm going to get full of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to allow God to get right smack in the middle of my heart and of my soul. Amen. This church must be a church of prayer and fasting. This church must always be a church that prays and that fasts. And where it's not a one-time thing or an annual event in the life of a church, but on a regular basis, on a weekly basis. Amen. we got to be pushing aside the plate and saying, God, I just want more of you. And even if you're, you don't feel that way, you've got, to, you've got to force yourself. You've got to take control of your flesh and say, I'm going to push aside the plate. I want that beautiful plate of carne asada and frijoles and arroz and, and, and the corn tortillas. And I want all that, but I'm going to push it aside. And I've got to get a hold of God. I've got to get a hold of Him. There must be that determination, that dog spirit that you get on the inside that says, I'm going to push aside everything else that I might grab a hold of him. I've got to get a hold of him. The history of the children of Israel is an illustration of this fact, showing over and over again how quickly self-satisfied man forgets his dependence upon God. I want to be blessed. And I would love, I'm just going to be honest, I love to be a millionaire. And I plan to be a millionaire one day. I'm saving. I'm, I'm planning. I'm trying to get there. And I want the blessings of God upon my life. But I don't ever want to get to a place in my life where, where, I, where I don't need God for anything. I don't ever want to get to a place in my life where, where I, I'm full of self and I'm full of the world and I'm 
full of pleasures and I'm full of all the things that this world has to offer that I don't have room in my life for more of Him. Amen. Fasting is intentional. Emptying out of self. Emptying out of myself. And saying, God, I'm pushing aside the pleasures that I have in this life that I might get a hold of You. That I might be reminded of where I came from. That I might be reminded that there's a God in heaven that turned my life around and gave me peace in the midst of my storm. That gave me beauty for my ashes. Fasting is to remind me where I came from. It's to pause and to cause reflection in a person's life. Fasting. A person full of food and possessing nearly every comfort and satisfaction of life cannot easily keep his entire trust and faith in God for a very long time because he has too many natural props to lean on. I'd love to have a boat one day. A nice, big, beautiful ski boat. I'd love to have a beautiful Airstream, big 30-foot travel trailer. I'd love to have jet skis. I'd love to have a nice plane. I'd love to have, I'd love to have all that stuff. But you know what? It's in the back of my mind, Brother Nate. If I had all that today, would I be making time for the Lord? Or would I be trying to be out all the time? I got a new boat. I got to go out and use it. Sorry, Pastor. I'm camping out again this weekend. I'm at the lake. I'll be here all weekend. That's right. Yeah. Sorry, Pastor. I haven't had a chance to use my new Airstream travel trailer. I gotta, I'm going across the country. We're doing a fun trip. That's great. But all that stuff is taking the place of my commitment and my walk with God. I don't want to get full of stuff on this. I don't want to get attached to this world. And fasting helps me to empty out of the pleasures of life. Fasting takes me back to square one and says, you know what? It really is all about God. He's the reason why I'm still here. He's the reason why I have everything that I have. He's the reason. God, when I started out living for you, I felt madly in love with you. And you were all that mattered, God. And I remember that, God. And I'm seeing an altar of sacrifice in this time of fasting. And I remember, God, what you've done for me. And God, don't ever let me forget, God, what you've done for me. Fasting causes me to pause and reflect on all the things that God's done and where God brought me from and what God wants to do in my life. And I stop for a few moments and I think and I ponder the goodness of the Lord. But if you're not fasting, you're just constantly on the move. One pleasure to another pleasure. One thing to another thing. What's next? Where can we go eat at next week? Where, can we, where are we going to eat tomorrow? And all we're thinking about is how are we going to enjoy this life and satisfy our flesh? And how are we going to just get fat on this world? And instead of thinking of, man, the next time we get to Monday Night Prayer. Woo! Last, if you weren't here this last morning, it was powerful. I'm just going to say it was powerful. You're cheating yourself by not coming. And I understand there's things that, that happen and there's reasons why, but I'm going to tell you, amen, I'm looking forward to the next morning night prayer meeting. Yes, amen. I'm looking forward to the next time I fast and I seek God and say, God, I want to hear your voice. I wonder what God's going to speak to me next time I pray and fast. And I want to have that type of anticipation. Not I can't wait for the next vacation. I can't wait for the next meal. I'm looking forward to the next time I can hear God. And I was, I'll admit, I'm guilty of that. I, I'm looking forward to the next vacation. 
But in, in the process of praying and fasting, amen, God begins to work in my heart. God begins to work in my life. And I begin to look forward to the next revival, the next outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And my mindset and my perspective shifts. And it changes. In a time of prayer and fasting, I begin thinking, I wonder what God can do in this church if, if we really got a hold of him. I wonder what God could do in this church. We only got 75 chairs in this place. That's not too hard for God to help us fill it. When we were first here and before this wall was torn down, we had, one time I had 50 chairs out. It was packed. And we were just a congregation of 15 at the time. And at the very beginning, I looked at it and said, man, that's going to be hard. That's a lot of work. And it, it sure has been a lot of work. But God's helped us to do it. And just like I looked at one particular night in prayer, I looked at that and I said, God, you know what? 50? That's not hard for you, God, to help us to do. God's able to do it. And now we look and, you know, we expand it out and it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel emptier a little bit more because there's more chairs but never lose sight of the fact that God's able to help us. God's able to use us. God's not going to do it all by himself. God's going to use you and I to bring people to him. And to teach a Bible study. And to be a soul winner. But in the time of fasting, you stop thinking about everything else in life. You start thinking about God and the church. And what God wants to do. And what God has promised you. And God will do it. God will do it. God will do it. A deeper consecration and yieldedness to God through fasting will cause unbelief to disappear and will in turn bring about healing and answered prayer. I'm looking forward to seeing miracles, signs, and wonders in this place. It does not come free. It does not come cheap. It comes because the people of God bind together and they pray and they fast and they seek God. You might come here on Sunday morning and look across and say, Hey, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, you look like you lost a few pounds. Well, I, I took into practice pastor's preaching. And you know what? You might see that person just getting a breakthrough on Sunday morning. You might see that person share a praise report. My son, my daughter, my husband, my wife that was lost came back, God delivered them. What did you do? I prayed and I fasted and I sought God and I got desperate before God and I sent in the reinforcements in my spiritual walk with God and fasting went behind prayer, went behind faith and just pushed it through that wall. I had prayer and I had faith all along. I paid my tithe. I was faithful in church but I brought in fasting. I brought in the additional reinforcements and fasting got behind it. And just pushed them through that wall. And that breakthrough happened. Because you fasted. And prayed. And sought God. I don't know what needs are in this place tonight. But I believe that God. Can meet any need here tonight. God can do anything. With God all things are possible. With God all things are possible. I'll say that again. With God all things are possible. Amen. There's nothing that's too hard for God. 
and a church that is fasting and praying and seeking God and on their knees before the Lord and, and they got the Bible and they're reading the Bible. Great things are going to happen in our church. Great things are going to happen in our church. Hey, man, I got three or so more pages to go. Uh, so if you'll give me another hour, we might be able to cut it off. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Amen. And we, we may just continue this next next Wednesday night. Uh, but there's a whole lot. And I, I, I believe that if we will get a hold of prayer and fasting and just seek God, we can have breakthroughs in this church. You say, well, it's hard for me to go all day long fasting. I work a, phys- I work a hard labor and I've heard all the excuses. I can't fast all day. Fast Sunday morning, breakfast, and come to church early and pray. Fast Wednesday night dinner, come to church early and pray. Fast Monday night dinner, come to church and pray. You spread it out, you already fasted three meals, one day a week. And you work early for prayer, and you, you got to, and you just make it a regular routine in your life. You know what? As a family, as a couple, as an individual, whatever it is, I'm just going to fast Wednesday night dinner. I'm going to come early to church and pray. I'm just going to fast Sunday morning breakfast, and we're going to be early for church and pray. However you structure it in, you're saying, you know what? I'm going to be intentional about this message tonight. And God is going to help me and my family to break through the walls and the barriers that we're up against. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have in this place tonight of hearing your word. We thank you tonight, Lord, for the the word of God that's gone forth. We thank you, Lord, for every heart and every mind that is here tonight that's received this word, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would help this word to get deep into the hearts of this group of people tonight, God. And may we ever be a church that prays and fasts and seeks after you, Lord. However we go about doing it, God, help us to get there to that place and to that point, God, that we are praying and we are a fasting church, Lord. One that's breaking walls and breaking barriers and obtaining miracles and obtaining promises in God. And let it, Lord, let it be our praying and our fasting that brings home the backslide, that brings home the prodigal son, that brings home that spouse that's lost from that God. Let it be a church that prays and that fasts, that sees miracles, that sees signs, that sees wonders, God. May we be that apostolic church. May we be that apostolic church. Oh God, in Jesus' name, God, have your way, Lord. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you tonight, Jesus. Thank you for your word, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah.